Amen. Some good worship. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. I know it's a village center, but it's the house of the Lord today because we are here. This is holy ground because God is here with us and we are here to meet with him. And so we are excited about that. Well, uh, let me uh, come right out of the gate and ask you this question. How many of you like nostalgia? Some of you are like, it's too early. I don't even know what nostalgia is. What is nostalgia again? Nostalgia is that good feeling that we get when we see something or smell something or uh, we're reminded of somebody from our past that just has good feelings. Like for me, it's smelling no-bake cookies. For me, like, oh, that just like right away, I'm like, okay, all is right in the world. I don't don't know. This is amazing, right? But there's another thing that I came across just this last week when I was thinking about this message and kind of working on some stuff. And uh, I came across these, uh, these pictures. In fact, I'd seen these, I don't know, a few weeks ago in a store somewhere. And I wonder how many of you will feel a little bit of nostalgia when I show you this. So how many of you, I'm just kind of curious when I show you this picture, how many of you read these books called the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Let's show them. How many of you remember those books, all right? When I see these books, I get this just warm feeling of like late at night, I'm under the covers and I'm reading my book too late, right? After my parents have said, Brent, go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm reading though. And they're like, we know, but you won't get up in the morning, you know? And so I would read these Choose Your Own Adventure books. But what was really cool about these books, and by the way, these books have done really well. I think they're like number five on the all-time book series sales list. They sold like 350 million copies. They've done really, really well, especially in the 80s and the 90s. Yes, I know I dated myself. That's when I was a kid, right? Uh, and, and so I read these and they did really well. By the way, side note, this is nothing compared to the Bible. You know what the estimated sales of the Bible is to date? Around 5 billion. We do pretty well with the Word of God. And I like the word about the word, by the way, Susanna. It's good, right? But the cool thing about the Choose Your Own Adventure books, the pull of those, as those of you who read them, you already know this, but those of you that didn't, the coolness of these books was that you could literally choose your own adventure. So you'd be reading through the book, and all of a sudden it would have a scenario, and I have a picture of one of these. I actually remember reading the book of Atlantis, and you came up to the page, and this was the choice. I remember as a kid having to choose between this, right? And being a cautious guy, I always like had a little bit of stress trying to choose my own adventure, right? I'm like, I don't know. What if I choose wrong, you know? Like, I'm going to end up, and they're, they're going to shoot me off into space or whatever. I'm, I'm gonna, that's going to be the end. I'm going to have to stop reading, but then, you know what I did? I always went back to the other, the same page, and I just went to the new page, right? And I chose a different adventure. So it all worked out. But the cool thing was that depending on your choices in this book, your choose-your-own-adventure book, it would determine your path. What happened to you? How it ended. Well, the reason I bring that up is because today we're going to continue the series that we've been in, Backstory. And today we're going to look at the backstory of Moses. And what's interesting about Moses is Moses kind of had his choose-your-own-adventure life as well. He had a lot of decisions to make and a lot of ways that he could have responded to God when God called on him, when God asked him to do some things. 
And so we're going to take a look at a story about Moses, but then we're going to go back and we're going to look at the backstory. All right, so let me kind of set up the context. So Moses was the guy God chose to free the Israelites out of this nation called Egypt. Now, the Israelites were about a million people. We don't know the exact number, but they were around a million people strong. So they've become quite a massive group of people at this point in history. But all million Israelites are now slaves to the Egyptians. They're used for slave labor. And so God chooses Moses to go back to Egypt and free all of the Israelite people from slavery. And so where we're going to pick up the story is Moses has already done that. He has already led the Israelites out of Egypt across the desert. And it's only been a few days, but they're they're kind of stuck now because they come to this huge body of water in front of them. This massive body of water, the sea. And Pharaoh at this moment has a change of heart. He decides, I don't want to let my slave labor go free. And so Pharaoh commands his army to go out and to capture all of them and force the entire Israelite nation to return back to Egypt to be slaves. And so where we're going to pick up the story is this moment where the people are complaining to Moses and saying, Moses, you should have let us just die in Egypt instead of die here in the desert. We've got the sea in front of us. We can't go forward. And now we've got Pharaoh's army right behind us with chariots and everything ready to kill us or carry us back to Egypt. We're stuck literally between a rock and a hard place. But in this case, it's water and a deadly army. And so we would pick up the story as the the people have been complaining. And then Moses is going to do something that God tells him to do. Some of us have heard this story before. Exodus chapter 14 Starting with verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Just pause there for a moment. If I'm Moses, I'm kind of thinking, Say what, God? Sure, yeah, I've done this so many times. I'll just raise my hand, the water will part, and we'll walk across on dry ground. Sounds good, God. That's great. And I'm sure a little bit in the back of his mind is going, God, you're crazy. Right? You've lost it. Like, I I don't understand what you're doing here. Now, it's helpful that he saw all the plagues and all of God's hand before, so I'm sure that he's a little further along in his faith now at this point. And we're going to talk about that. But just kind of imagine how crazy this is from God. Right? Okay, middle of the sea on dry ground. Got it. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. 
So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Now, we could spend the next month talking about everything that I just read because there is a lot going on there. But just to be clear, a miracle just happened. Now, some of you might say, oh, but wait, I saw on the History Channel, they did a show on this. And they said it was maybe an earthquake or tsunami that actually parted the water and it sucked the water out and it did all that. Great. Let me just tell you something. The History Channel has nothing on the sovereignty of God. Okay? So, yeah, maybe there was a tsunami. Maybe there was an earthquake. Maybe there was this east wind that kind of pushed the water. And yes, wind can definitely change the depth of a major body of water. We've seen this. We've tested it. We know this can happen. But nothing can explain two walls of water and dry ground overnight to walk on. In other words, God intervened beyond natural phenomenon. And they walk across dry, dry ground. It was a miracle. Now, some of you would be like, ooh, let's talk about the miracle more. You'll have to come back another time for that one. Because what I want to focus on today is I want to focus on the conduit for the miracle. And in that case, that was Moses. So I want to talk about Moses. I want to talk about and ask this question. How did Moses get to this point where he is standing at a body of water with Pharaoh's army behind him and leading a million people across the wilderness, the desert? How did Moses get into that place in his life? How did he get there? Well, as you would imagine, to answer that question, we need to go to the backstory. So I want to take you all the way back to the third chapter of Exodus. If you'd like to follow along, you can follow along there. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4 for just a little bit. And we're going to go back, and, and let me kind of give you the context. So in this part of Moses' life, he was not in Egypt. He was not leading the Israelites. He was not doing any of that stuff. He was far, far away from Egypt. The reason he's far from Egypt is because he ran from Egypt. The reason he ran from Egypt is because... Moses was an escaped criminal. He's a wanted man in Egypt for committing murder. He saw an Egyptian beating a, an Israelite, a Hebrew slave, and to save his life, he killed the Egyptian. And so, as a result, of course, anybody who does that is in very much danger. And so Moses runs, he flees from Egypt, and then he makes for himself a new life. He gets married, he has kids, and he becomes a shepherd a long ways from Egypt. And so Moses, he doesn't really know God. He knows about God, but Moses doesn't know God. Now that seems weird because you're like, this is Moses. Moses, knows. Moses is the guy, right, who gets the Ten Commandments. And I've seen the movie, like he has a hairy chest and he speaks in a booming voice. No, that's Charlton Heston, right? Charlton Heston's not Moses. He played Moses, but not Moses. But Moses, at this point in his life, he has heard about God, but he doesn't know God. That's important. And so Moses is out tending, you know, the flocks. He's taking care of the animals. And he looks up and God wants to get his attention, Right? God wants to get his attention. And so he starts this bush on fire. Right? 
And, and, and but he, he's like, well, how, you know, just a bush on fire is not going to maybe draw his attention. And so he decides he's going to make the bush burn, but it's not going to burn up. And so Moses sees on the mountainside, he looks up, he sees this bush burning, but he realizes it's not being consumed. It's on fire, but it's not burning. It's kind of weird. And so he goes over to it. He takes the bait, so to speak. And when Moses gets close to the burning bush, God begins to speak to Moses. And I want to pick up the story in that moment. Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So clearly Moses knows something about God. He knows that God is fearsome. He knows that God is terrifying. And so when he realizes this is the God I've been hearing about all my life, then he covers his face and he takes his sandals off because he realizes he's on holy ground. God's presence is right there. He's face to face with God. And then it begins this conversation. Now, I don't know how your conversations go, but uh, I've had similar conversations that God had with Moses and some things like that. But essentially, this conversation has two parts to it. It's really simple. God asks Moses to do something big. He says, Moses, I've chosen you, yay, to go back to where you're a convict. I know, it's Egypt. You have a past, but I need you to go back to Egypt, and I'm going to have you confront Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at this point in history, and I'm going to have you tell him that he needs to let the Israelites go free. Oh, sure, God. Yeah, that's no problem. All right? That's the ask. That's the first part of the conversation. That's the whole part of the conversation. This is why God is talking to Moses, to make this request of him. The second part of the conversation is Moses giving excuses to God as to why he can't or shouldn't go. Have you ever done with this with God? Oh man, I've done this with God so many times. I've wrestled with God. I'm like, God, I, I get it. You know better, but I, that seems weird to me. Right? And so Moses is going to wrestle with God. And so what I want to do for uh, the next few minutes is I want to take you through five of the six. I'm not going to give you the sixth one today, but I'm going to give you five of Moses' excuses to God. And I want you to see, like, instead of giving Moses a bad rap for this, I want us to kind of look at this through the lens of our own life. See if you don't see some parallels as to how we communicate with God. All right? All right. So God says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. You're going to free the Israelites, blah, 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 all that stuff. What do you say? This is Moses' first excuse or response. Exodus 3.11. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, Moses is using a very typical excuse that we as humans use. He is scared to do what God asked him to do. 
And so what did Moses do? Moses does what a lot of us do, and I sometimes do this. We use false humility to mask our fear, right? We say, oh, well, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm really just not good at that. And, and people look and we're like, wow, you are so humble that you admit that. And in the back of your mind, you're going, no, I'm just scared to death to do it, and I don't want to. We mask our fear by putting out false humility. That's exactly what Moses is doing here. He's like, God, clearly you have the wrong guy. <laughs> I am not going to be good at this. You, you know that, right? And in the back of, of his heart, he's going, because God, you know I don't want to do this. I'm scared of this, right? God comes back and says, Moses, I will be with you. Get over it, in other words. Get over it. Okay, so let's go to the next excuse. Exodus 3.13, just two verses later. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? Now, admittedly, this is actually a really good question. What he's saying is, God, I don't even know what to call you. Like, what's your name? So when they say, well, well, Moses, what, what authority, like, how are you coming? Who is this God that you were talking to? Just so that we can make sure. And, and Moses is saying, God, I don't even know what to call you. Now, it's a great question, but it's also still an excuse. You know what the excuse is? This is an excuse that this might be, out of the five, this might be the most common one that we use. I hear this one a lot. I, I just don't know enough yet. But, but, but Pastor Brent, you don't understand. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I really understand the Bible yet. Newsflash, I don't understand a lot of the Bible yet. And I'm a pastor. I think we're okay. But let me just say this. God doesn't call you because you know all the answers. He never, in fact, he might actually not call you because of that. In fact, I will just, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Most of the people that I know that think they know all the answers, they're probably further from God than most people that I know. <laughs> Seriously. When I see that kind of pride, I run the other way because God probably has already said to them, what are you doing? Instead, the fact that you don't know, the fact that you feel unequipped, the fact that you really have to lean on your faith to follow God when he calls you to do something is a wonderful and beautiful and scary and terrifying but great thing. It really is. God says, if you're going to wait until you have all the answers to follow me, to say yes to me, then you're never going to say yes. Newsflash, again, you're never going to have all the answers. At least not on this side of heaven. I'm hopeful that we get a lot of answers on the other side of heaven, the other side of eternity. That'll be, that's going to be great. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, have you ever wondered what knowing everything would be like? 
I don't know. And God says to Moses, I am that I am. In other words, my name doesn't matter, but just so you know, I just am. (laughs) I am everything. I am it. I am all you need to know. And so therefore, stop worrying about your training. I will equip you. Let's go. In other words, God is ready to move on. And but Moses is not, right? Moses is not. In fact, by the way, uh, we, we do this on a practical level. We move into things without knowing all the answers all the time. How many of you knew how to ride a bike before you rode a bike? No, you didn't. I know you didn't. Now, some of you may not remember riding your bike, but somebody taught you, somebody held the, the, the bike seat, somebody ran alongside you. I remember running down the, the sidewalk trying not to fall on my face while the kids were getting faster and faster. I'm like, I just, I hope they got it. And at some point, what do you have to do? You have to release. You didn't know how to l- ride a bike before you learned to ride a bike, but let me ask you this. How did you learn to ride a bike? by riding the bike. The only way to learn and to train yourself is to do it. So if you're waiting to know enough about the Bible to be able to dig into this or to be able to lead a group or to be able to do something like whatever, you're going to wait your whole life. Just so you know, you're going to be waiting your whole life and you've missed a lot of windows. God is calling you now. It's not a question. And he will equip it. Absolutely. Don't wait till you have all the answers. All right. Next excuse, we have to go to Exodus chapter 4. Yes, this conversation spans two chapters, just so you know. All right. And by the way, I would highly encourage you, read Exodus chapter 3 and 4, because I'm skipping over some really good stuff, but, uh, so that we can hit the excuses. But there's a lot of really good stuff in here. All right, Exodus 4.1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Again, typical human response. What Moses is saying is, very simply, God, what, 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 if, what if they don't trust me? What if I offend them by talking about you? What if, what if I look foolish? What if it changes my relationship with them? I don't want to change my relationship with them. We love to hang out, and so I don't really want to tell them about God. I just want to be cool. We might have more in common with Moses than we realize. Moses is using an excuse and saying, what if this changes how they view me? God, I don't want to be the weird guy. I mean, how many of us would say, uh, yeah, but I want to be the weird guy. Yeah, that'd be great. Most of us don't. Most of us, we want to fit in. That's what, that's what our desire is. We're like, I don't want to be the weird guy. Right? Now, just newsflash, some of you are the weird guy, and it's okay. You're cool. Lean into it. It's all good. I saw some of you, some of you were like looking at me like, you're the weird guy. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Lean in. God says, I've got this. I'm with you. And he makes another promise to Moses in that moment. Let's go to the next excuse. Yes, Moses has a lot of excuses. Exodus 4.10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Now he's pleading with God. Like he's gotten, you can sense like he's getting desperate. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. 
Oh man, this is another one we use. But God, but God, you don't understand. Like, if I go up and ask them if I can pray for them, it's going to be so weird. Uh, Can I say this? I was talking with a couple people uh, after we had passed out gift cards at, at Love Week on Friday. And we were talking about this, discerning when God wants us to step in and pray for somebody or, or ask them how they're doing or whatever the case is. And, and all of us agreed in that circle when we were talking about this. Very rarely, maybe never for some of us, have we ever stepped into that situation where we were like, this is totally comfortable. I totally love that I'm going to walk up and randomly ask this person if I can pray for them. Seriously, I'm, te- I'm admitting this as a pastor when I'm walking up to somebody and, and God has been very clear, I need to pray with them, I need to talk to them, I am trembling inside. Now I have the, my confidence and faith, but I'm still trembling inside. I'm still worried about what they're going to do, how they're going to view me, how they're going to respond, if they're going to be offended, if they're going to be angry, if they're going to be sad, if they're going to start crying. I still worry about that kind of stuff. Still to this day. Happened to me just this last week. It's hard to step in those situations. And this is what Moses is saying. I, I, I don't want it to be awkward. In fact, I love that this last week was love week. We sent people out. We gave away free donuts and coffee. We had people on the, the roundabout with signs. Let me tell you, that takes a lot of courage to do that right? How many, how many of you would just be like, yes, give me a sign. I'll go stand on the roundabout. Woo! I, I might look like that's something that's easy for me to do. It is not. I'm not the life of the party guy. I'm just not. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. It's <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not one of those that just walks in in confidence into the room and is like, woo, Brenda's arrived. How we doing? Right? But we had people give away free coffee and free donuts, and they had conver- amazing conversations. We had, we had some people who were going through unbelievably horrible, dark stuff come and get a free donut and coffee and said, this made my day today because of this. We handed out gift cards on Friday. We did projects for people um, at different days of the week. Uh, we, pack, we had a whole bunch of people from Northridge get together to pack things that we're going to be giving away to another group in, in Wanakee later on in a couple of weeks. None of this was comfortable, guys. None of it. But we're called to do it. We have to step out of our comfort zone. In fact, let me just say this. The only way to grow in your faith is to get outside of the box where you're feeling totally at comfort. If you never step outside the box, you will not grow. You won't. It's just like I said last week, the treadmill in the basement, the weight set downstairs, just having it in your house doesn't make your muscles get bigger. Oh, but I have, I have barbells down in my basement. So I, I'm, I'm expecting my muscles just to start growing. No, no, you have to lift them. And it's going to require you to commit, and it's require some pain. Because if you don't tear your muscle fibers, they don't replenish and they don't grow. 
You have to exercise it. We have to step out. And so before I get to the last excuse today, let me ask you this question. What excuses are you telling God these days? Seriously. You've got excuses. We all have them. I'm not going to go to that phrase right now. We all have them. What excuses are you telling God these days? What are you using against God? All of us have different ones. So one more excuse. Exodus 4.13. But Moses again pleaded. He is absolutely desperate at this point because this is all he says. Lord, please send anyone else. Did you catch that? Like, what Moses finally got to at the end of the conversation, I'm serious, it's hilarious. He's been, he started like really nice false humility. Then he was like, eh, I don't, I don't have enough training. And then he's like, well, it might be kind of embarrassing, God. And then he's kind of like, God, seriously, I, I can't even speak well. Are you kidding me right now? And then he finally gets to the point where Moses says, you know what, maybe I should just be honest with God. I don't want to go. Seriously, God, I, don't, I just don't want to go. Like, haven't you been catching that? I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. Let me just say this. At this moment, I'm not going to read this out of Scripture, but I'll tell you what the next part of that conversation is. When, God, when, when Moses says this, and he gets really, really blunt with God, God gets really blunt with Moses. It says, God gets angry. God got mad at Moses. Some of you are like, oh, no, God doesn't get mad. He loves us. Oh, he loves you like crazy. And for sure, because he loves you like crazy, he is going to get mad at you sometimes. I love my kids a lot. I will die for them, but I also will get angry at them. Right? Why? Because sometimes they're off and they need to be adjusted. Truth be told, I had one of those moments. We had two, kid, two of my kids had a little tiff this morning here in the village center on holy ground. <laughs> I had to make some adjustments for them this morning. Then I get to preach on it. Yeah! How wonderful is that? Why? Because life is not all roses and rainbows. It's hard. It's tough. It's difficult. And Moses said, no, I don't want to. And God says, Moses, I'm sending Aaron with you. He's going to help you. He can speak for you. We're done with this. Let's go. I'm paraphrasing. You understand. Clearly, Moses is scared reluctant and resistant. Can we all agree on that? He's scared, he's reluctant, and he's very resistant to what God wants him to do. What's interesting, though, is that simple yes from God, or from Moses to God, changed everything. So now, let me take you back to the story that we started with. Right before Moses steps out, raises his hand, divides the water, Moses says something really, really powerful. And it shows us that this is not just the same man 
But this Moses has changed. His faith has deepened. Let me read what he says to the people, the Israelites, before he raises his hand. He says this, But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moses has changed. His faith has deepened. And how did that happen? The only way it happens is by Moses saying yes to God. If Moses had said no to God and just left it at that, he would have still stayed scared, reluctant, and resistant. The Israelites would still be in slavery, right? Why? Because Moses was God's chosen conduit, message to Pharaoh, message to the Israelites, and the person to bring them out to freedom. I don't know about you, but we make excuses all the time for the things that we can't do because of our limitations or because of our fear. I want to end with one illustration. So you guys have heard me talk about uh, this person before. Uh, I think it was four or five years ago. It was when this first happened. Um, but she's a, she's a follower of Christ. She's a Christian. Her name is Mandy Harvey. Some of you, as soon as I say her name, you're going to know who she is. But Mandy Harvey uh, is a gal that has some, a serious limitation. And God wanted her to do something that was very, very scary. He wanted her to go on to America's Got Talent and stand on the stage in front of thousands of people in the theater and millions of people on TV and display her gift. And she didn't want to do it, but she ended up doing it. And it was an amazing moment. And let me just tell you, I'm going to show you this video. It's actually a little bit longer video. It's like seven minutes long, but it's worth it. And I want you to notice what happens when a person listens to God and steps out in faith and goes past and beyond their limitations, the things that they thought were going to hold them back that gives them actually greater strength to move forward because they have to lean on God more. Watch the amazing things that happen when you step in and you say yes to God when you feel like there's no way you should have any business doing it. Take a look. Hello. Hi, how are you? And what's your name? Uh, Mandy Harvey. And who's this? My interpreter. What's your name? Sarah. Nice to meet you, Sarah. Nice to meet you, you, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Doing well, thank you. Hello. Okay, Mandy, so I think I've worked this out. So you're deaf? Yes, I, I lost all my hearing when I was 18 years old. Wow, and how old are you now? Uh, 29, so it's 10 years. Wow. And Mandy, how did you lose your hearing, if you don't mind me asking? I have a connective tissue disorder, so basically I got sick and my nerves deteriorated. Growing up, the only thing I wanted to do was sing. 
I ended up going to school for vocal music education so that I, I could have that be my life. When I was in college, I thought I had an ear infection and it just got worse and worse. And by Christmas, I was borderline legally deaf in both ears. There was one day where the teacher was going to play the piano and I had to chart out everything that he was playing. And I had my pencil ready and everybody else's pencils start moving and I'm just waiting for the test to start. And then one by one, every person just got up and left the room. And I just, I didn't hear enough to, to even start the test. That was the last day I was a part of music program. That was a bad day. <laughs> we were sitting in the car together to come home. She said, Dad, I can't remember what your voice sounds like anymore. At that moment, you knew that um, things would never be the same. Everything that I had ever wanted was just going away, and I couldn't stop it. The music is alive inside of her. The only question was, what could she do with it now? My dad suggested that we play a song. I said, well, that's crazy, but I had a guitar tuner, and I hummed my starting note and just went for it. Music now isn't about the sound, it's about the feeling. I'm excited, I'm nervous, I'm scared, so I'm just trying to <laughs> It's not the dream that I always had. That's okay, because I showed up, and I did something I never believed I could do. So, you were singing before you lost your hearing? Yeah, I've been singing since I was four. So I, I left music after I lost my hearing and then uh, figured out how to get back into singing with muscle memory, using visual tuners and trusting my pitch. So your shoes are off because you're feeling the vibration. Is that how you're following the music? Yeah, I'm feeling the tempo, the, the beat uh, through the floor. And Mandy, what are you gonna sing? I'm gonna uh, sing a song that I wrote called Try. Okay, can you tell me what it's about? After I lost my hearing, I gave up. But I want to do more with my life than just give up. So. Thank you. Thank you. Good for you. Okay, well look, this is your moment and good luck. Uh, okay.
Andy, I don't think you're going to need a translator for this. excuses are not good enough. They're just not. <laughs> They're not good enough. Did you catch the lines in those songs? I'm just tired of getting used to this. I need to try. And she sung about the limitations. That song was literally her working out the problems that she had getting to that stage. In fact, I just heard Mandy Harvey sing two weeks ago at a conference that I was at. She's still doing this. She's still going around. She's sharing her story. She's leaning into her faith. So let me just say this. Whatever excuses you have, we all know this, but you need to actually live like it. God is bigger. God is bigger than your excuses and your limitations. So my encouragement to you is step out of your comfort zone. Say yes to whatever God is telling you. And move past those excuses, those limitations. Because there's something amazing on the other side. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for loving us, for calling us to greater, to more, to bigger, to more faith. And I pray for everybody in this room, regardless of where they find themselves. My guess is there are quite a few people in here that they, have, they know their excuses and they realize they've been giving them maybe a, for a long time and they know that they need to stop and they need to move past and you've got great things in store for them. God, maybe there's people who are here who they do not believe, they truly don't believe that you love them. They, do, they believe, they would never say this out loud because it sounds weird to say out loud, but they believe that they're unlovable. They've done too many horrible things. They've, they've lived too many horrible things and, and too many horrible things maybe have been done to them and they, they believe that they're damaged goods and they, they just don't believe that you could love them or that you could use them. And God, I pray that they would hear your voice clear this morning, that you love them and that you can do all things, all things, that we can do all things, all things are possible through you, through you who gives us strength. We can't do it on our own strength, but we can do it through your strength. God, 
You are calling us to do great things, but all we need to do, we simply need to say yes to follow you. Even when it's scary, we're reluctant and we're resistant. God, help us to follow you. Help us to say yes. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.